As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. The anatomy of an injury crisis. The dying art of throwing your season ticket at a beleaguered head coach. The dreaded, dreaded vote of confidence. I've never walked away from anything in my life and I'm not going to start now. The art of sacking a manager and the three types of caretaker. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés and part two of the 12 stages of a club crisis. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 93 of the Football Clichés podcast. We're mid-crisis, but boy are we going to see it through with the help of club crisis connoisseurs Jack Pitbrook and Phil Hay. So, your team are playing shit, manager's methods have been questions, he's lost the dressing room, there is no catch-up, or there is catch-up, we can't decide. To turn the screw, fill an injury crisis. Very much, I mean, that, this can happen at any time, and it's never your fault, really, unless, of course, your methods have, uh, have lent themselves what, what to a, it. What about a manufactured one, though? Do, do you remember the story of the Charlton Six? No. Oh, the six players at Leeds who, on a Friday, were suddenly declared unfit and unavailable. Um, right. Uh, in what was, well, everybody denied this, but what seemed to be a protest against Neil Redfern, including one of the players who was seen vaulting a fence before coming up the stairs to tell him that he wasn't, he had a muscle strain and wasn't <laughs> fit to play. Um, oh, and as, that's harsh. As Steve Morrison famously said, this club, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so those six players missed the trip down to Charlton. What were the that. official reasons for the what, what the little injuries in brackets after each name? There was a a, a back injury with um, Marco Silvestri that looked like a line of Back's lipstick. Still. It has to be said. Backs um, are always good. Somebody had a there were there were muscular strains. Obviously, I mean you know it's kind of non nondescript muscular strains. The medical staff insisted that they were all unfit. We weren't so sure. And Redfern was gone within months. <laughs> 
So, Jack, if we if we were to implement a threshold for an energy crisis, because again, it's a phrase I don't want thrown around willy nilly. Is it a number of injuries? Is it is it injuries in a certain area? I'd say that one section of your team would have to be described as makeshift. Yeah, ideally the defence or the midfield. You, I mean, a make, mm. I, I, I've got no sympathy for a makeshift front line, and you can always find a teenager who can score goals. But yeah. if you have to have a makeshift defence or a makeshift midfield. And that's a crisis. So I guess that means somebody playing out of position, a teenager, someone who's rubbish and hasn't played in years. And, um, you know, you, so you need, like, basically a kind of strange group of people thrown together just to be this makeshift back four for this one game. You know, yeah, that's I mean, makeshift. Oddly, oddly enough, this kind of, um, this sealed the title for them. But it's the sort of scenario where Rangers are signing Andy Dibble and Mark Haley on... Um, pay-as-you-play deals to get them through an old firm derby. I think that's kind of injury crisis. That was in kind of a good moment for them. But that's the sort of thing that would make you think, mm, trouble trouble afoot. Yeah, definitely. If, if, you, if you're drafting an emergency signing. So I would say the lowest threshold is is no fit senior centre-backs. Mm-hmm. That's that's the phrase I would use. Then 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 it goes to not being able to fill your bench. And that that's actually quite it's just a sad situation, isn't it? Yeah, you know, laughable to Bob not being able to fill your bench with subs, having to get special dispensation to sign a goalkeeper. That's when oh, it gets yes. really bad. But always always fun for a story. And then someone having to re-register as a player. Yes, that especially that. if it's the manager. <laughs> yes, that's what I want to happen in the Premier League this season: a manager having to re-register himself. Which manager? Which manager is the most feasible re-registration as a player? I Sean, literally can't Sean even Dage. think. Sean Dage, yes. definitely, he'll still back himself. Yeah. Do a job. They kind of, job. I, 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 having thought about it for about three seconds, there is no non-funny answer to this question. They're all funny. <laughs> Arteta funny, Klopp funny, Guardiola funny, Dyche incredible, Zisco Munoz. Ima- yeah. Just imagine, imagine that. Arteta arguably the the closest to his playing condition out of all 20 that Probably, I can think of. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. But yeah. can, I mean... What puts me off the idea is, can you imagine how earnestly his instructions would be given as he trots onto the pitch? He'd be pointing everywhere. He'd be doing so much pointing as he comes on, telling people what to do. Uh, that would that would actually genuinely annoy me. So in that case, I really hope it is him that has to re-register. Um, so we, we, we've had players getting annoyed. We've had managers under pressure. We've had, a, we've had an element of, um, of hierarchy involvement here. But you know who we've forgotten about? So far, Phil, and that's the fans, oh. the most important people in football, except for the other lot and the, and the others. And I have to say, there is no, I think the point of no return in any crisis as a football club is without doubt when people start writing on bed sheets. And, and, <laughs> and the, more, the, the more squint the writing gets, the more ferocious you can tell that their anger is. And I honestly think once bed sheets start to appear either outside the ground, or particularly in the away end, more than the home end, it's always the away end that, that does, you know, really does the damage. There's no way. There's definitely no way back ever. It's 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 something we take for granted. I think Phil bed sheets. We we look at them and think, yeah, okay. On the face of it, they're quite an effective way of mm-hmm. conveying a lot of indignant information all in one go. But it's it's the it's the logistics of it that yeah, trouble me. It, it's a battle getting it stretched out properly so you can you can actually see. Um, yeah, huge. And, and they're really hard to write on in yeah, pen. No they, no, they are. So you tend to find that the letters are never the same size and the, the writing kind of goes like this. Mm. But as I say, I think the, the more um, the more hurried the, the writing looks, the more unhappy you know people people are. And the other thing about bedsheets is that if you take a bedsheet to a game, you're guaranteed to get in the paper. Guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> That's partly what it is. Yeah. In a sense. So, Jack... 
You are a disgruntled fan of Club X. You've turned up and you want to display this disgruntlement. Are you a bedsheet man? Are you a lamination man? Would you put two pieces of A4 together or even four? A bit of paper is just looks... I, it's not enough, is it? Yeah, I, I can't get behind a bit of paper. I think it has to be, I think it has to be a bedsheet. What colour? Just a plain white? White with black writing, yeah. Actually, yeah. As it happens, a friend of mine is currently <laughs> sent me a message this morning saying... He's working on his Cristiano Ronaldo not welcome here bed sheet to take to Man City against Arsenal tomorrow. But that's um, probably another telltale sign. If if you end up using a yellow one or like a blue one, then again you've been in such a you know you're so desperate to get it done that you're not even bothered about the. Does imply or, or, you know it does there's imply no, desperation. no quality control. Yeah. For me, the classic moment of um, like fan, fan anger is team performs really badly in an away game and. Some of you get this scene where the fans are furious, and then some of the players, like the good players, the earnest players, come over mm-hmm. to the away end, do the hands up in the air thing to apologize. But the fans are so angry that they scream abuse here, you're not fit to wear the shirt <laughs> yeah. at them. And the players are really upset about this. Well, the players who don't give a fuck, they're already back in the shower at this point. They've gone straight back into the dressing room. They're having a, you know, they're they're having the shower while they're more kind of um hard-working, dedicated teammates, and they're getting screamed at by the 5,000 away fans. And that, mm. to me, that is a classic vignette of crisis. I mean, the, the one that stands out to me when I was thinking up that scene was when Man City lost in the FA Cup at, at Ewood Park in March 2007 towards the yeah, end of the Stuart sure. Pearce era. And the, the hatred there from the away end towards the City players was incredible. Phil, we, I think even in even in kind of good times or unspectacular times, we shouldn't underestimate how little players genuinely care about fans at the end of a game. Because like you could you could win two nil, you know, routine two nil win away from home, and one of the players is still dragging the other ones out of the tunnels to go over to the fans. Yeah, uh, it, yeah it, I it, find that amazing. It varies massively, doesn't it? I think when it comes to banners, though, banners mm. usually target the board or yeah. or the manager. Don't yeah. they? They don't often. Yeah, the bigger the banner the more higher up the hierarchy I reckon they're I, I going for. I think that's probably true. Um, and, I mean, there must be time constraints as well. So you just write whatever. It reminds me of when... Yeah, you don't want your banner to be out of date by the time you get no, to the game. That like, must be and, terrible. And, but also limited amounts of time to, to work on it. It always reminds yeah. me of those protests in Glasgow when Donald Trump um, became president and they were, everybody was unhappy about his views on immigration and everybody everything else. And somebody had got some cardboard and had just written, your mat was an immigrant, you fucking roaster. And I just thought to myself, they'd obviously sat down and gone, I've only got half an hour to do this. Um, so, yeah, well, it was this, on top this of your head. Do, that's fine, yeah. yeah and as it turned out, it right. went viral because it was quite inspired, yeah. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, I, what I do like, I've only noticed this a few times over the years, um, Jack, especially with paper-based banners of protest, is, um, is when fans add little newspaper clippings for extra context. Which I just find really weird. Because like, we know what you're doing. We know what you're talking about. You don't need to put little pictures of it from a paper. What I was, find that astonishing. The classic one of these was, oh my God, what's his name? Matt Zari at Watford. There was a kind of, I, think, I want to say elderly woman who had a big oh, yes, placa- anti-Matt Zari oh, placard. Yeah. And it's yeah. had all sorts of different messages and clippings Gosh. on. Please leave Mr. Matt Zari. Please get out of Watford. And then, like pictures of when they'd lost games, it was it was amazing. It was a, <laughs> that, it was a, a labour of love. That even another little layer of intrigue when it comes to banners, or or 
general fan indignance, Phil, is when um, supporters refer to uh, managers as Mr. Somebody. Oh, this yes. weird kind of form of yeah. approach. <laughs> like, so weird it's, to do. It's like, um, it's like an HR meeting, isn't it? Where yeah. everything's got to be done formally because you're, you're about to sack him. And that thing at Watford, I mean, the, the, the funny thing is that you he would actually have had to have gone over and looked at that closely to have properly got the... You know, if you've just got a, got a banner saying... Blackwell out, as I remember that one down at Coventry in 2007, then it's pretty unambiguous, really, isn't it? You don't have to go over and go, what does that say? Oh, yeah, but if you've actually yeah, at got least fax it to the manager so yeah, he knows. Yeah, if you've yeah, got yeah, cuttings, he would actually have to go over and say, just a minute, what is this about? Oh, yeah, OK. So, so we've established then that banners in all forms are uh, more or less a kind of... Um, Kind of vanity thing is is just to get yourself in the papers on on telly, but, but also a massive tipping point. Yeah, oh, completely, completely. Mm-hmm. They, they, yeah, I mean, they will. There is an accumulative effect of them, but there is a more active way to demonstrate your indignance towards a manager. And I feel like this is more maybe final day of the season behaviour, Phil, and that is the throwing of season tickets. Do you think this is a dying art? I mean, technology is, seems to be kind of pushing it out of the equation. It seems to be a safer strategy than throwing scarves because throwing scarves always causes discontent. Some people don't like it. You know, that's when you get... You're never going to get a scarf more than 12 yards, are you? People people know why you're doing it, but you still shouldn't be doing it. There's etiquette and, you know, there there are standards. I think with a season ticket, especially on the last day, I mean, you might as well, really. Mm, I mean, but... Um, I mean, I'm out of the loop in terms of ticketing technology, Jack, but they're digital tickets now, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't be throwing an £800 phone at a manager. You know, I mean, last last time I had a a club membership card, it was like an Oyster card type thing, which is, I imagine, very hard to to do. You could whip it. You could whip it. But that said, it can't be too long until people move to a kind of... um, Apple Wallet style buzzing thing, and like no one's going to rip up their phone on maybe the pitch. Why. Are you suggesting? The app, are you suggesting a contactless display? Yeah, maybe. Of... Yeah, delete. Look at me. Delete, look at me. Delete the app. Take that. Dugouts now with up. little readers on the yeah. side of the fans can queue up and just politely put their phone down and say, "Yes, I'd like to." The, ma- I'd like the to manager. Is looking this up the earlier, man- and I, it, I saw that one manager. I don't know if you can guess who has had season tickets ripped up and thrown at him at two different clubs across a 10-year time span. It happened in okay. 2006 and in 2016 at a different club in the same area. Oh, God. That's, su- that's such a big time span to have season tickets thrown at you. Brucey? I was going to say Bruce. Almost. Oh, he had a lettuce thrown at him. Cabbage. It was cabbage. Well, it was you see, cabbage. I was just going to say, maybe the cabbage and Bruce was born of the fact that people no longer have season ticket books. Maybe, yeah. 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 That's totally so all you've got to hand. Maybe I'm, managers one, one day will this? have to scan. You know those little squares that you scan with your mobile phone, like the NHS app? You'll have to scan yeah. that and it will give you all the list of complaints. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come Do on, you hate the board, on, the players or the manager? It's, it's Steve McLaren, Middlesbrough 2006, Newcastle United 2016. That is such a that is such a span of having <laughs> that is that's seriously very impressive just, endurance. Just when the, you've put it behind you, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Fan protests very much. Um, I mean, we don't we're not very good at fan protests here, Phil. I would suggest. I mean, the banners, the bed sheets, the the contactless phones. I feel like Italian fans do it better. I, I, I was just going to say, you're thinking of the buses. Why don't we turn up at training grounds over <laughs> yeah, here? And, what, and, and throw stones at the bus. Yeah. yeah, why don't we break into training grounds and force the players to explain what's going wrong? Well, We're see, not they, good they, enough at this they, stuff. They've sensibly walked out over here that you might as well make them quite secure so that nobody can get within 300 yards yeah, of anything. Yeah. Whereas in Italy, they just kind of have chain fences, don't they? Yeah. Um, which, which people break through anyway. It's absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, maybe we're just too polite over here. I'm not sure. So now, so we've reached tipping point here. Everything has gone wrong. You've lost the support of pretty much everybody. 
Um, it almost feels like there's no way back. So it's time, Jack, for stage nine of the club crisis, and that is the vote of confidence slash club statement. I put it to you that club statements, the more granular, specific and paranoid they get, the better. Like oh, when yeah. they start really citing individual things that have, have reportedly gone wrong, but they say... Like, um, one newspaper says that ketchup wasn't available in the canteen. <laughs> that is wrong. Wrong. It was available. Yeah, yeah. It's, you always know with those kind of statements, or with, with any club statement, really, from the point of view of the club writing it, the shorter mm. it is, the better it is. And you can mm. all, as you go down the pyramid, the statements get longer. So I was Yeah, and they're the, written uh, directly. They cut out the middleman. There's no yeah, press so option. Chelsea issued a... Chelsea issued a famous vote of confidence in Mourinho in about October 2015, which is very good. It's very short. It's pretty clear. It's, you know, it's got, it's pro-Mourinho in some bits and anti-Mourinho in other bits. It finishes off by saying, we believe that we have the right manager to turn the season around and that he has the squad with which to do it. So, you know, it's a really good statement. Whereas if you get down to an equivalent thing in, you know, let's say League One, League Two, it'll go on for a thousand words. You know, start Incredible. complaining about, like, a, you know, the linesman decision at Accrington Stanley and the, uh, the our coach broke down on the way back from Torquay and all the rest. When of there's it. bullet points, if, if a club statement includes bullet points, bullet you know points, that, that you've reached a point of no return. I, I feel like they're dying out. At the top level, to be honest, I feel like voter confidence is kind of outdated at the top level. The, the, by a mile, the best in non-league, and normally because they're written by the the owner, um, mm-hmm. who and, and they always have this tone of, look, if you want to tear up, just come round and knock on my door, and I'm quite <laughs> happy to have one with you. Um, Imagine a Premier League club just doing that, saying, do you want? Just yeah, turn yeah. up and knock on my door. Yeah, um, I live let's in do uh, that. But non yeah, non-league is where non-league is where they they're best. As part of this, you know, suggestion that the votes of confidence are a dying art at the top level, Jack. I wonder that... Uh, surely clubs must be aware of the of the connotations of a vote of confidence in the wider footballing culture. Everyone knows that that's basically the beginning of the end. So maybe clubs are just thinking, well, it's not really worth us doing this anymore because people think it's just a bad thing. Can I, can I just jump move. in here and say sure. that there is actually now a modern style of a vote of confidence or a you know, statement of a vote of confidence, and that mm. is high-ranking people at clubs liking tweets. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, what kind of tweets? Well, someone saying, this manager's hopeless, get rid of him. Um, <laughs> or we should be doing much better with this squad. And you have mm. the plausible deniability of saying, oh, it's a, it was just accidental. Mm. Really accidental. You'd have, to commit, you know, you'd have to commit to 300 words on your website, which you can't, can't get into reverse gear and pretend you never wrote. I mean, is there a part of you that really hates writing about tweets being liked? Because you have to, for oh, a start, yeah. you have to put it in speech oh. marks, which is just, just the just, most cringiest thing ever. Just writing about tweets, <laughs> irrespective. There was a story up in um, Scotland the other week about Jermaine Defoe spotted in a restaurant, um, which translated as Jermaine Defoe posted a picture on Instagram of him mm. in a mm. restaurant. I know, it's absolutely incredible. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, this, this, yeah, it's the kind of vehicle for football stories of social media is absolutely sensational. Also, for club statements, Jack... I feel like we've killed off the corner flag. I'm genuinely proud of helping to bring it into the mainstream footballing culture, but I haven't seen a corner flag on a club statement for a very long time. And I do wonder if they're also quite self-aware about that too. I kind of associate club statements with the front of the stadium or yeah. a like panoramic picture of an empty stadium. Yeah, we're seeing just, a lot of club faces at stadiums now. Yeah, just so it's, it's distinctly of that club. Um, and they can show off their, their fancy stadium while also looking sombre as they break yeah. some bad news. Yeah, it's arguably a more professional way of heading up a club statement. I'm all for it in a way, but it's sad to see the corner flags, the humble corner flag removed from the equation. So yeah, votes are confident, club statements. That's when we're, we're really reaching the kind of 
the real crescendo of a football club crisis. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Now we're at stage 10, Phil, the final stand. Quite literally, uh, in fact, because when a manager is really doomed... And I feel like this is LMA-approved behaviour. When, when a manager is properly doomed, you'll see them standing right on the edge of their technical area, looking both stoic and powerless as their team lose 5-0 with 22% possession and no shots on target. Barely That's moving. when you know a manager's really done when they're not doing anything. Yeah, they're just they standing they still. They don't move. Their arms are, arms are folded. They're pretending that they're not listening to the away end. Um, How many they, Leeds managers have you, have you seen standing on the edge of the technical area doing nothing? 20? <laughs> yeah, no... Uh, I mean, we used to see one every three weeks at, at mm. periods in Chileno, you know, and um, yeah. became just just became run of the mill. Really, you're like, oh, here, here we go again. And and there's always the comments as well. I I always it's like the thing with uh, you know signings and saying we'll only have players who who are better than ours. Once managers start saying, well, it's ultimately not my decision. You mm. think, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be I'm, somebody I'm, else's I'm, decision in the morning. Telling you, I'm, that. yeah, exactly. I'm truly fascinated, Jack. By the language of a doomed football manager, it's they 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 just turn into kind of weird football language robot, and they start spitting out some very familiar phrases. Can you tell me some? The classic is the overuse of the word football. You know, yeah. we want, I'm only interested in winning football matches. I'm only here to win football matches. That kind of thing. There was the again. I hate to go back to it yet again, but there was an amazing, I think, seven minute Jose Mourinho rant after they lost one 0 at home to Southampton. <laughs> Uh, in October 2015, which, I mean, there's no point in me describing it. If you're listening to this, just look it up on YouTube. It's so good. Um, can I just, t- can I just test you and, you and Phil out on what I think is my favorite bit of defiant manager talk that was not given by Jose Mourinho? So this was a manager yes. soon before he was sacked 
in the Premier League era, and I think this sums up the kind of both the pomposity but also the weakness of a manager who is about to get sacked. Could, yep. could, we, have a, could we have a rough year? Ten years ago, give or take. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No disrespect. So this is a manager who's been getting absolutely hammered all season. You're going to say no disrespect here. This no disrespect start. to local MPs or local journalists or ex-players, but when you have got vastly experienced managers that are phoning me up and saying, <laughs> under the circumstances, you're doing a marvellous job. <laughs> then I will listen to them. Who said oh, it? Just before I, he got I, sacked. I, I can just, I can sense the tone, but I can't I, picture the face. I want, I want to say Joe Kinnear, but there are nowhere near enough C-bombs in it. No, it's yeah, not Joe Kinnear. It's not Kinnear-y. Not too far away time-wise to Joe Kinnear back at Newcastle United, but it's not Joe Kinnear. It's, it's not going to be Allardyce, because Allardyce wouldn't be interested in other yeah, managers agreed, calling him up. Agreed. To, to yeah, he wouldn't care about what people say about him. No, he wouldn't care about managers calling um, me up. I'll give you a clue. It's someone in the kind of Allardyce orbit, in the in the Sam Allardyce extended universe. Oh, it, it was Steve Keane. It was oh, Steve yes. Keane. It was oh, Steve I was going to go for Phil Brown. Okay, fair enough. Fair Steve enough. Keane, this is just before he was sat at Blackburn. I think Steve Keane, <laughs> Steve Keane at Blackburn is one of the classic crises. You know, the fans hated him. They also hated Venkies. They kind of had to choose. To, are, we, who are, we, are we against Steve Keane or Venkies? But they were against both. The football was terrible. The results were terrible. Awful players relegated in a really pathetic, weak way. What on earth were local MPs saying about Steve Keane? I, don't, I think this might. Would it have been Jack Straw? Was he? I don't know. I'll check Hansard. Ah, yes, maybe. Uh, I think people had said. <laughs> I, think people, I think the problem is that Steve Keane was such Keane. a Venkies yes man, <laughs> and local MPs had said, "What's happening at Blackburn Road is an absolute disgrace." And you know, it's only a few years ago we were really good on the Sunas, and now we're rubbish. And um, Steve Keane took umbrage at being it being suggested that he shouldn't have been manager of Blackburn. I I feel like it completely undermines all the other examples I had of generic defiant football manager chat because that is absolutely note perfect. Um, you could have also have had I've never walked away from anything in my life and I'm not going to start now, which which is it, again is in the LMA handbook for managers you think they might be sacked in. I, I've never heard a manager say, do you know what, I've, I've given up on loads of stuff before. I'm really thinking about doing it again. I, I can't be asked at this. It's such the a pay ridiculous off, thing to say that because decent. it's like yeah. people walk away from stuff all the fucking time. They just don't walk away from stuff when the cost of walking away is not getting a massive million pound payout. <laughs> like how many times a day do you walk away from stuff? You walk away from the too long a queue at Starbucks. And yet I'm not going to walk away from the Crystal Palace job because I want to get sacked and get paid. I, I mean, again, to return to him, I th- I'm pretty sure Mourinho is the only manager I've ever heard who actually directly references his potential payout before he gets sacked. He says, well, I'm not going anywhere. Um, because absolutely understandably, anyone anyone would be able to get their head around this. I'm going to get paid loads of money if I don't walk away. That's kind of not fair enough, but it's the reality of the situation. And who else would argue with that? Um, you could have also had, I'm the manager of this football club until told otherwise. Yes, I really yes. like that. Yeah. He's basically it, laying out the bare facts that everybody knows. It's also, the, it's also the lines that start to dry up. So once they stop talking about working hard on the training pitch to turn it around, you know that that's, that line of defence is no longer of any use to them. You know, Yeah, when they get a little bit sort of petulant in the press conferences and you get the sense that you're, you're about to see 90 minutes of them standing on the edge of their table. I've been in football long enough to know I'm big enough and ugly enough. <laughs> that was what Slaven, when Slaven Bilic was obviously about to get sat by West Ham, deserved to get sat by West Ham. 
but Sullivan and Gold, for whatever reason, couldn't quite pull the trigger. The last few months, you know, they get they get beaten three 0 at home to like Huddersfield, and it would be so shit. And then afterwards, Billet just say, "Yeah, I've been in football long enough to know what's going on here." <laughs> yeah, when they start getting really philosophical. Yeah, and, and also, it. I'll take responsibility, but is always classic of the genre, mm. really. That mm. this is just after they they claim as their final act of defiance that they relish slash thrive on the pressure. Yes, and it turns out that is absolutely <laughs> not the case. I really could do without this. Actually, nobody, nobody such a lie. Nobody thrives on getting absolutely berated by yeah. five thousand people for ninety yeah. minutes. Yeah, if you didn't enjoy the pressure, then you would you wouldn't be doing this job for a start. <laughs> I have to say, um, yeah, complete bullshit, complete lies, and we've we've heard them all. So that's the final stand for a manager. So inevitably. I'd take, I'd give it a, a good week max. That manager is getting sacked, Jack. Um, and there are three things. There's kind of a hierarchy of things you may see in their statement when they get sacked, depending on how warmly received they have been at the club. Thanks for their efforts. That's the standard. Everyone should get thanked for their efforts, regardless of how little effort they've put in. Then the next level is wished well for the future. That means that means you've kind of done your best, but you weren't good enough. And then if you really are, if you really are kind of cruelly sacked, but you just you maybe just couldn't take the team to the next level, then you are welcome back at Stadium X in the future. But that's really only for the really warmly regarded ones. But yeah, thanks for your efforts is the bare minimum, Phil. Who was the club recently? And I might be making this up, whose statement amounted to buy. Five words long. Such and such has left the club. The yeah, end. which to be quite honest, in Brutal. a lot of cases, would just just be for the best, really. Mm. You know, I mean, I hate mm. mutual consent. Mutual consent's dreadful. Never mm. mutual consent. It's always somebody's decision. You know, even yeah. if everybody can see that it's it's all it's all going wrong. But yeah, no, I, there's always the word tirelessly in it as well, isn't there? They've always worked tirelessly, never just hard or you know, absolutely to turn the results around. Goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think there's a similar hierarchy for manager statements released via the LMA? You know, sometimes sometimes they'll have been like they'll obviously be very be very proud of their work. Sometimes they'll be like bitterly upset not to be able to complete the work. That yes, we exactly, exactly. Yeah, not yeah, always being sad not to be able to, to finish what they started. Yes. Definitely. Yeah, sad to see. Before you know, supporters were great, which is again a massive lie. Um, but in so many circumstances like this Phil you know it's the middle of the season it's not an ideal time to be bringing a new manager you have to bring in your caretaker and that's stage 12 of a crisis because I feel like that's the the dying embers of a crisis is when you have to bring in a caretaker manager because they're very rarely ideal people I'd say there's three types the firefighter the fan's favourite or the adventurous interim yeah plus the academy manager who doesn't really want to <laughs> yeah, you're in real trouble is, is told, look get on with it you know you need the bloke we money. already employ um, yeah I mean good. The, the firefighter is basically the self-styled redditor of football Neil Warnock mm. yeah you, you mm. get him in to save you from relegation in the championship and then you buy you know Sol Bamba and you have a promotion push the following yeah, exactly. season that's the you know that's the, the strategy so yeah I, I would say it falls to the firefighter the academy manager, which can sort of be the fans' favourite sometimes, or yes, the kind of off the wall punt, which never worked. Yeah, true. Yeah, sort of, you know, foreign random as your caretaker manager. Really, I, I, I quite like that bold approach, Jack, because yeah. it gets, because it, it, it kind of gets fans thinking. Maybe this guy is the one, and you're always going to get a long read out of an adventurous foreign manager as well before they start. Yeah, that's why I, you have to implore the style of Chelsea in not once but twice getting Gus Hiddink in as a. In as their caretaker. I imagine that Chelsea could get more or less anyone in the world in to be caretaker manager because it's mm. Chelsea and they've got money. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, or they could have done it cheap. They could have got someone from the academy. They could have yep. got, you know, an ex player, but they went high, high end and got Hiddink. 
My favourite interim appointment was when Manchester City sacked Roberto Mancini after the 2013 FA Cup final and they brought in Brian Kidd uh, for the last few games of the season. Now, of course, in, Kidd is a very natural fit here in the sense that he's a fan's favourite. He'd been City, He's been at City in various coaching capacities for a long time, long coaching career, played for City with great distinction in the 1970s. But in the, in the Manchester City statement with which they sacked Mancini, in 2013, they said they wanted a manager with a, quote, more holistic approach, which is the word that I've never seen in any other club statement before or since, which led to the City fans dubbing themselves the kind of three games at the very end of that season as, quote, Brian Kidd's holistic army. Oh, God. It's quite clever that, will live long in the memories of any City fans from that period. Yeah, because nobody knows what holistic means. You can appoint anybody and say, well, you know, like we're just sticking to... to The famously holistic Manuel Pellegrini. Steve Bruce, you know, holistic. I think he was only caretaker at Leeds twice, but it felt as if Neil Redfern was breaking the record for a number of caretaker stints because Leeds used to sack sack managers once a month. And and bless him, he he was the academy manager and it it was always a case of, you're you're back again, crack on. (laughs) I just don't, I don't envy that job, even oh, if you no. are already employed by the club and kind of know the ethos and what's going on. The idea that you then have to go and start watching loads of DVDs of your upcoming opponents. I'm not, I can't be arsed at this. No, and I was in a canteen of, the other day, you know, I don't need this. You're kind of on a hide and, you're kind of on, got a free hit because yeah. you can always go, well, you know, it's not my team. Um, but there's no such thing as a free hit when the club's in crisis. Mm. Everybody, everybody's looking for people to bond. Got to hit the ground running. Um, was was Redfern a ketchup man or a no ketchup man? Good question. I'll ask him next time we speak. I'm gonna yeah. say I'm gonna say a ketchup man. Yeah, it strikes me as very ketchupy. Yeah, That's all so. I'm saying. I think yeah. so. Yeah, 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 based on nothing. Now, I did say there were, t- I did say there were twelve stages of a club crisis. That's a nice, tidy number. But, but Phil, you're throwing a spanner in the works. You want to, you want to offer us a bonus thirteenth stage. The thirteenth stage of this is the appointment of the next manager, provided it makes you go really. Yeah. So I'm going to take you back to 2015. I think it was John Percy at the Telegraph who broke this, and the tweet, the tweet went something like this: Uwe Rosler sacked by Leeds. Steve Evans currently driving into the training ground. <laughs> nice touch of telling us where he was at the time. That's cool. Well, um, well Steve, I think Steve Evans was basically sat outside waiting for Rosler to leave because he'd mm. already been appointed. And once Rosler made his exit, Evans made his, his entrance. And that was one of those moments where you thought, this doesn't look like getting better anytime soon. No. <laughs> it's very much the, the, like, the, the final few minutes of, of, a, of a, like a Netflix series, like the teaser for the next series. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this one's going to be all about this bloke, Steve Evans. Or, yeah, or like a character getting out of a tax in EastEnders and you can only see their feet and you think oh no now it's all going to go down yeah that's never good yeah never never good no and it's happened a few other places as well I suspect Newcastle and Steve Bruce was a little bit like that people thinking wasn't wasn't really what we were thinking of but you know yeah bad times are still coming so I I want to leave you both with this question because I feel it's important that we we tidied this up at the very end. What is the most comprehensive Premier League crisis? Jack, I feel like you are going to say the Mourinho season. It's all there. But it doesn't have its own Wikipedia page like doing a Leeds has. Maybe doing a Leeds is a bit before my time, but I just think the Mourinho season was so complete. You know, they were the best team in the country and they were spectacularly bad very quickly and absolutely. And there was no... You know, it, it had all the ingredients. And, and, and it has this kind of, like, mystical element to it as well. Like, it's never... It was so spectacular that I think it's not... It's, 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 it's kind of, It can be quite difficult to explain. So, for me, that is the, the, the classic, definitive Premier League crisis. It's, it's, it's up there. But, Phil, I mean, you, you, don't, you don't just have one Leeds crisis. You have two, at least. But, but not Premier League, you see. 
Um, however, however, if you think anything beats the Ridsdale demise, go back and watch the press conference of him sitting next to Terry Venables. Look at Venables' body language and ask yourself if there's ever been a more awkward room in the history of Premier League football. Mm. There hasn't. Yeah, the whole concept of doing a Leeds in its original sense, was that a crisis? Or was it kind of just a, a kind of crumbling, you know, the death yeah, of a dream? Like, I don't know if it, I don't know if it really. Quite, I suppose yeah, it is. There are ele- elements of crisis uh, there. You wouldn't say that the, you know, the Roman Empire when it fell apart was a crisis. Really, <laughs> was it? It was like sort of natural, natural development. Um, there, there were periods of severe crisis at least, but I think when it goes on for a really, really sustained length mm. of time, um, i.e., almost twenty years, mm. um, you, you kind of have to say that it's, uh, it's something else entirely, really. Yeah, agreed. Um, oddly, I thought Arsenal... I was, I was looking back through the examples of Premier League crises, Jack. I don't think Arsenal have had a proper one because they are the masters of having like tiny little brief crises and then plucking a 4-0, 5-0 win out of nowhere and then saying, crisis? What crisis? Arsenal are so good at crisis, what crisis? They are the kings of crisis, what crisis? Well, on a, on a kind of micro level, it's a series of mini crises, you know, yeah. that... Like uh, over the course of, or basically, yeah, over the course of the last few years, it's been a, sh- a mini crisis, a mini crisis, a mini crisis, a mini crisis. And after each mini crisis, they'd win a few games, and the mini crisis is over, and then the next one would come along. On a macro level, it's one massive crisis. Yeah, it's been one massive crisis since I don't know, since they sold Ashley Cole, or since the Eduardo Birmingham game, or the 2011 League Cup final, or choose any point from you know, the last 10, 15 years, and you could say that's when the kind of macro crisis started. So it depends on your scope, really, the size of the crisis. Well, the thing about Arsenal is that they've done all 13 stages of a club crisis, but never all in the same season. They've never managed to pull it all together. They've never had the kind of cohesive crisis that, say, Chelsea have. They haven't had a sufficiently self-contained, unified crisis. And that's the beauty of the Mourinho season, is it was a crisis, the beginning, middle and end of the crisis was five Mm. months. Whereas with Arsenal, it's this perming state of rolling mega crisis. It's different. Yeah. Also, yeah, you... out, out with Arsenal fan TV, they they don't ever make anybody care. You know, <laughs> like the, the crisis never makes you kind of want to see what's going on next. You always hear about it, and if you you know you sat in the pub, you, you can say, ah, "What about Arsenal?" But um, yeah. you know, you, you're not. It's not like when Leeds were falling apart, and and everybody. Everybody seemed to be totally fixated on it, and it was just this endless rolling story that. Um, yeah, the people there's never an end up, point. You know? There's yeah. never an end point with the no. Arsenal crisis, and it's never I'm, that dramatic, is it? Yeah, I would, I would, I would even say that they prob- they've probably done all thirteen stages individually better than anybody else, but they've never managed to do them all at the same time. So, yeah, Arsenal, fa- fascinating case, and I'm sure. I'm sure we've covered everything now. We've done it. We've done the football crisis. That's it. We've nailed it. Um, you, so I want, want this to, to be, be the textbook. <laughs> if you want to be a club in crisis, listen to this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Managers, chairman, fans, you're all going to get something out of this. Um, you might feel slightly um, less about yourself in the process, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, it's something I've always wanted to nail down, and I couldn't have picked two better people than Mr. Leeds, Phil Hay, and, uh, and Jack Pickpook, crisis magnet. So thanks to you, Phil. A sensational debut. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed it. You might have me back on. I, I certainly will. A pleasure to have you. Thanks to you, Jack. My pleasure. See you again soon. Cheers to everyone. Look forward to your badge cracking and your uh, ketchup uh, replacing and your Carabao Cup upsetting. It'll all happen to you one day. See ya. The Athletic.